Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to another episode of the Emma G Podcast. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner. You can call me Emma G. It's totally fine. Joining me in this episode is Caroline Barnes, the hugely celebrated makeup artist. And it's so clear to me why people love working with her and why I've loved working with her for many years. She's so calm, she's so sensible, she's kind, and she's incredibly generous with her time, which is exactly how she was when she popped over to my flat to record this episode of the show. You'll hear her say it more than once during the recording, but she's far more interested in other people. And she really is the kind of person that will look you in the eye when you see her, even if it hasn't been for years. And she'll ask you how you are and you know she genuinely cares about your response. I have a huge amount of time and respect for Caroline and was really pleased to be able to put the spotlight on her for a while. Um, Nicola Moulton, Vogue's beauty director, says that having your makeup done by Caroline means looking how you've always dreamed you could. And that's probably why so many celebrities, brands and magazines have Caroline on their speed dial. Her portfolio is massive and I recommend a visit to her website, which is www.carolinebarnes.co.uk, where you can see quite how many red carpets, music videos, shoots, oh, so much more that she's been an integral part of. Now, I've gone to Caroline for years for quotes, for beauty features that I've written for magazines and for online. And you'll hear it in the show when she clicks into quote mode. So I ask her about her top tip for covering spots flawlessly because we both talk about our particular issues with acne that we've had. Her explanations are so knowledgeable, precise and easy to follow, which is why Speed Beauty by Caroline Barnes, the link to which is in the show notes, is such a brilliant resource. So all her videos run for around a minute but they're packed with professional makeup artists, tricks, tips and tutorials that you can follow so easily. And I was trying to think, like, well, how can I sum this up? How can I sum up Speed Beauty by Caroline Barnes? And it really is a place where you can find genuine advice. So we cover a lot of ground during our chat from building intuition on shoots, having empathy for people when you work so closely with them and the link between our external appearance and our confidence. Um, and it's all very relaxed and chilled and we were on the floor, which which may have helped. All the links are in the show notes. And if you want to request a video for Caroline to film for Speed Beauty, then you can tweet us via the links in the show notes. 
or you can email thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, this is probably a good time to tell you that I'm recording a special edition of the show featuring my answers to emails that have been coming in to the podcast mailbox. A few of you have been uh, emailing in with similar questions, so it just seemed like a good time to put them all together and answer them all in one place. If you have anything you would like to know about the show, if you want to request a guest or a topic, then email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com and I'll answer it during the show. But for now, let's get to Caroline Barnes and our good old chinwag that started on the floor. Enjoy. Right. Um, I do feel a bit worried that you have moved to the floor. No, I feel better here. I feel more in control. I was too relaxed there because I'm not relaxed. It's, it's like when the mafia go to the mattresses. When podcast guests feel a bit nervous, they go to the floor. Yeah, I've gone to the puff. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline Barnes, makeup artist to the stars and God, industry stalwart, dare I say, is joining me. She's in my flat. Woohoo! <laughs> well, we're South London girls. We are, aren't we? Um, thank you for joining me. I'm very, I'm very excited about unpicking the magnificence of your career because it's quite a special one. Well, you and me both, because like I said this morning, I actually had to go through my old show reels, show reels to actually look at what I was doing and who I was doing and at what time that was, because it's over 23 years, <gasps> which is mad and wonderful. Um, but yeah, you do forget. And like I said, it's, it's a sort of case where you're always moving forward. Like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And because every week is different. No week is exactly the same. You just sort of almost forget what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I've got a rubbish memory, which <laughs> doesn't help either. Well, I always say as well, um, when you're trying to get your own thing off the ground, it can it's a piece-by-piece piece process. But when you work in our kind of industries, especially with celebrities, if somebody says, well, let's do a shoot at the top of the Eiffel Tower, in, re- in the real world, that would take a bit of planning and maybe there'd be some chats. But it... it in celebrity world or in beauty world it, it's happening and the next thing you know is you're on the Eurostar and it's very fast paced mm. and your brain doesn't almost have time to acclimatise to the fact that or even to reflect on what yes. you just did because then you're on the Eurostar and then you're back at the airport and you're mm. going to New York so it's and I, and I did have this beautiful little leather bound travel journal which I tried to look for as well and I used to write down all the places I'd been to where I'd been to the restaurants and you know pen and paper really really oh, beautiful because it was happening so quickly but obviously I've lost that and then I stopped writing in it and obviously life came faster and faster I didn't finish it which is a regret actually because that would be quite nice to kind of peruse through and have a little look but um yeah and that but that's also on the positive side that's what I love about my job because I hate routine I couldn't go to the same place you know, in the tube and wait in the exact same place where the doors open every single day, I would die. Mm. And I had routine jobs like that when I was a student, but um, I just I just couldn't do that. So the fact that it is different every week, it just charges me. It's kind of mm. energising. I was listening to a podcast actually yesterday with Joe Rogan and Henry Rollins, and they were talking about that very thing, about some people can do the cubicle job, they can do the standing on the same place in the platform, knowing that that's, mm. you know, the right place to get off at the other end. They're probably organised people. Yeah. <laughs> they were talking about their own personalities and saying they were almost allergic to it but that when they were younger obviously that was sort of seen as disruptive or not very clever or all of these things um were you like that at school um I wasn't the cleverest in the class at school and a moment I do remember when I was 15 was when they were asking us to choose where we were going to go for work experience and I didn't have a clue where I was going to go for work experience. And I always loved film and I always loved music, but that was kind of part of what we all loved. 
at that time. Um, and I just thought, what could I do that I'd really enjoy? Okay, well, maybe I'll go to a, a health spa or maybe I'll do something to make people look better or a beauty salon. That sounds like a great cop-out. That's like something that doesn't sound like work, something that should be enjoyable. Mm. And that was the first earliest memory that I can think of actually, right, what am I going to do? You know, and I've chosen my options, which is sort of biology and art and drama and English. It was all there. But, I, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a world where, you know, my father was a producer, my mum was an actress, and I was, you know, grew up in Surrey. And I do remember many people sort of early on saying, well, you know, if you don't have contacts in the industry, it's going to be very hard for you. Ah, oh, that old chestnut. <laughs> which obviously <clears throat> isn't the case at all. But much more then, because obviously everyone's much more contactable now. But that was the first time I thought, right, OK, that's, that's what I want to do with my life, I think. But now, I don't know, having kids myself and whether we over-parent in that fact, they're like, you know, what are you going to do and what do you like? And, well, let's do a course in that, let's do a club in that. My parents just let me grow up, which mm. I think is really brave and really courageous. And I wish that I could sort of let go more and let my boys just be. But obviously I'm like, oh, you like that? Oh, great, well, let's do more of that. And, oh, I can help you with that. Have you seen this? And it grows and grows and grows because mm. you want them to be interested in, in things that they like and you want to be able to sort of feed them, I suppose. But I think the, the majority of my success is me not having any outside pressure. And my mum, I mean, she would obviously disagree and said that she was all to do with her and it was silently <laughs> orchestrated um, from, from behind closed doors. But... Um, there was no sort of horrendous pressure on, you must go and do... I never did A-levels, I went straight to tech. So I left school at 16. You know, you must do your A-levels or you must go to university, you must do this. There were no musts. Mm. Well, if, if you want to do that, then give it a go. Great. Wow. So never any sort of... Well, you've got to have something to fall back on. Just a no, fly, just, my you pretty do fly. That, if, that, if that makes you happy, great, go and do it. And did you know what it was? Did you know back then that it would look like it does now? I knew I didn't want to revise anymore. I spent hours and hours and hours in my garden revising and revising. I did really well in my GCSEs. I just didn't want to do it. My hands were itchy. I was really creative at that time. And I went to a local comprehensive school and the arts and drama was, was very small. Nothing to what my children have now or exposed to now. And I, I was sort of really thirsty for that. Mm. And anyway, so I, I'd worked in... Tony and Guy had just come to Guildford. So um, I went to work in Tony and Guy and there was a lovely couple who owned it and the, this franchise and they were just so cool and handsome and just delicious together and that was really kind of drawn into this like, new era of hairdressing mm. it was totally fresh and modern. And then I also worked at a beauty salon in um, Godalming but I realised that it was, you know, after a few treatments, where could you grow with this? Where could you take it further? Where could you make more money? And it felt quite restrictive. But anyway, I went to Guildford Tech and I was there for three years and did a, uh, what was it, City and Guilds in hair and beauty therapy. So we had all the lovely ladies coming in for their perms and oh. we wore our white dresses and, you know, I was epilated and waxed beyond belief. I could <laughs> never have any sort of waxing done because I've been burnt and scalded everywhere. <laughs> but it was there that they had like a little makeup course um, or a session within the course where you had a sort of you know, Marks and Spencer set with two blushes, two eyeshadows, some very gloopy, gloopy lip glosses. You know, you did your friend's makeup. The teacher came over and she's like, oh, that's nice, Caroline. <laughs> well, yeah, but now what? Now what, yeah. please? And they were really good. And they got um, a lady in called Carlene Gearin who used to work for um, LWT. And she came in and to give us a, a talk about what it was like to be a makeup artist um, on television. And then they were all getting paid. They were all PAYE, so they had a wage... They weren't freelance, so you just went in and got the job. And you worked on various TV shows and 
that was wonderful. But it was just at the beginning of the end of that recession, so that everyone had gone freelance. You couldn't now work for the BBC. You couldn't go and get a job at LWT then. So she painted quite a bleak picture, like, it's very hard. Everyone's up against each other. You're going to be coming out and, you know, fighting against people who have been, you know, in proper jobs. It's, you know, it's a very small industry to get into. Mm. But Anyway, so I went to the London College of Fashion. That was the only um, government-granted course at that time. Um, there were 40 places and, like, 2,000 applicants, and I literally stumbled up to London carrying about five portfolios that I had of like you know all the different eras my mum could be in my dad with beards moustaches my sister with like 1940s 1920s had as much as I could kind of create I did an A-level in art in four months um, at night school at the end of my beauty exams um, and it was I, I did fine art <laughs> which was a mistake and I was sat there drawing these sort of apples and pears in a bowl and it was sort of like half past eight at night and there was a lovely um, art teacher who was next door and he'd always have a little rolly in his hand and he'd be like looking at me and sort of coming over and staring at my work and then I think by sort of week four he tapped me on the shoulder and he said you're never going to pass <laughs> come with me and so he taught me how to do graphics and screen printing and I got my A level through that it was quite you know it was quite a lot mm. in four months so I managed to get in and that was that was my launch pad I suppose and then obviously I got paid so wait 40 places, 2,000 applicants, mm-hmm. and you got in. But I begged. I was like, I don't have any money to do this course, um, to, to pay for another course, sorry. That was free, obviously. We got money to go to college, and the fees were paid. I don't have money to go to Glaucia Rossa or any private courses then. There was very few and far between. This is my chance. I've already done three years. I need to do it now. I need to start earning money. Um, so please, please, please. And obviously with all the portfolios and everything that I'd done which I looked back at are hilarious mm-hmm. so that obviously paid off do you think that was it because I often wonder when people are put in that position a panel or an individual and someone is saying this is my this is my chance if you don't desperation give me, yeah. <laughs> maybe how do you make that how do you make that decision well I suppose if you've only got a limited amount of places and not everyone was great and it's the same scenario you know, not, not a lot of the students didn't come to every lesson. Everyone was bunking off. It, I really thought because of there was that high demand that everyone would be there all the time, but it's just not the case. That wasn't a reality with them. But I suppose if you're looking for a student to be great, you want someone who's keen. So I was definitely keen. and maybe mm. didn't have the actual talents at that time. And I kind of, you know, winged it a little bit. But if you're enthusiastic, you can, you can go far, can't you? I did the same thing. I failed my A-levels. And just went to the university and said, please let me in. And he said, well, the thing you have over this candidate who actually passed is that you're here. Wow. Well, there you go, you see. And then he said, I've got two two spaces. You can do theology or sociology. And I said, what's theology? And he said, sociology (laughs) it is. Oh, God. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. That's how it started for you then. That was university. And yeah. did you do the whole course? Yeah, you did. Okay. I don't remember any of it. It was just Nothing. it was to tick that box to go to university right. and to have a degree. So unlike you, I, I it was something. It, it was a must. Yeah. That was definitely a must for me. You must have um, further education. Right. I had an H and D, so my dad was kind of like, "Well, oh, all right then. If it's an H and D, but that's five years you've done. Five years of being a student, then you can just get to work. Mm. <laughs> and then yeah. So then I worked. in sales and then I did a postgrad in magazine journalism so I as I'm sure how old were you when you did your first shoot or did your first makeup artist gig um my first ever was probably a few little tests in Camden in some really dodgy little studios that was so grimy and grubby but I was so proud 
and it was kind of a very over made up face with lots of colour and lots of blush and probably about four different kind of lipsticks because I was just so keen to get the makeup on the face that it probably looked overdone but my <clears throat> my first job I was an, was lucky enough to start assisting makeup artists makeup artists would call on the country fashion and say you know I need someone for a shoot so I was very lucky to um, assist a makeup artist called Katia Thomas and she was doing a band called Two Unlimited <laughs> No, no. Exactly. Now that, no more because of copyright. <laughs> <laughs> that video was shot on a beach, but we were doing, she was doing the next one um, in, uh, where was it? Somewhere in northwest London, Neasden. And I had to get on the tube at like Sexy. half four in the morning. I had to be there at like six o'clock. And I'd worked a lot in TV. And I'd done, you know, you used to work a lot with like the film schools and like the young film directors mm. were gathering around trying to get films and you'd go on set with them. And, but I'd never made up a model. And the makeup artist said, right, you've got the two models, you're in that room, I've got the two artists, um, I want them to look, um, give them a great 80s disco makeup. Whoa, okay, fine, that's quite quite a lot to ask. (laughs) And just went into this sort of panic, because I just thought, because I wasn't confident then, I'd literally just started. Um, And is is that confidence that you need to just guide someone through? And people know instinctively, if you're not confident, when you try and get their trust with you by being their friend mm-hmm. like you're at work you're not there to make a brand new friend and if someone's too pally you're like whoa okay mm-hmm. fine why are you being like this just do your job anyway these two beautiful girls i don't remember their names walked in they had the big mobile phones then like in suitcases <laughs> massive mobile phones they were fabulous we were in a, literally it was in a cupboard um had two girls i guess there was someone doing here I, I don't remember but everyone was smoking the door was shut you know it was just like you know fabulous and this girl was talking about this new ralph lauren white shirt she had and i was trying to be really friendly trying to make her like me because i was thinking i don't really know what i'm doing mm. i do know what i'm doing but i've just lost every all my faith in myself and i swiped the mascara <gasps> wand across her white shirt <laughs> she hates me it's like gone really wrong so she hates me and she's getting fidgety in the chair because i'm obviously taking far too long <clears throat> and i had this um false eyelashes and i must have put on an eyeliner that was greasy because the glue wouldn't adhere and the lash wouldn't adhere so she's smoking talking shouting on the phone legs up on you know on the table and i'm trying to get this lash in and she won't move <laughs> And I'm really focused on pushing this lash in. Please make it stick. Please make it stick. Anything, I'll do anything. Just make this lash stick in my head. And because it's really hot and because everyone's smoking, I pass out. <gasps> Caroline. So that's so embarrassing, isn't it? I hated myself. So Don't be dumb. Well, it's just one of those things, isn't it? But at that time... You were also so, being poisoned by passive smoking. Thanks. And so I was literally shoved outside. It was raining and my makeup artist was like, right, you need to sit there, pull yourself together or go home because this is, I, you know, I need you to do this. You need to, you know, get on with it. Anyway, so they don't want me to do any of their touch-ups. They do their own makeup. <clears throat> And so I'm trying to come near them, sort of, you know, in between the takes of the music video, and they're just a bit like, oh, yeah, and sort of, like, look away. And I'm like, oh, no. So I go over and chat to this lovely guy who's, you know, watching the monitor. I'm like, oh, you know, so what are you doing here? You know, what's your job? I am part of the band. And I was like, no, this is it. (laughs) This is it. So I just literally stood in the shadows of the rest of the day and just like, oh, no. Anyway. You live and learn, don't you? I think everyone has to have a baptism of fire slash a really awful shoot. Yeah. To, and I, I think the earlier on it happens in your career, the better. 
Because then you're very, you're, nothing will phase you. Yeah, and it was just learning, actually, go in there, Caroline, and do a job. Stop trying to be everyone's friend mm. to make them like you. Just do your job. And actually, that was quite a significant learning curve. A little bit later on, that when you are booked as a makeup artist, you, you know, when you're young and you're, and you're growing, you think that you come in and you are in control of the face. So you sit down and I'm, I'm going to do your makeup. Just mm. close your eyes. I'm going, no, 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 that's so wrong. How you do it is you find out all the information first. So what do you like? How do you like it? Because I've got one chance. So if you're about to go on a red carpet, I need to know everything about what you like so that what the makeup that I do on you is something that you will love. It's irrelevant of whether I think it's great or not Mm. initially. And then you build someone's control and you build someone's trust rather and then you can work together. But initially you want to make someone feel great in the way that they see themselves but to think that you're coming and doing this job and actually you actually give it to the person that you're working with was quite a big understanding of actually this is the key. Mm. I can actually find out exactly what I need to do by asking them. Because that's not on a syllabus or that's <clears throat> not anything you'd learn in college. No. Because that would be about executing a particular look on a face. Yes. And that's where I felt that was my job. Don't, mm. don't tell me what, don't tell me you don't like it. Well, uh, this is how you're going to look. Well, that's ridiculous. But it's, again, it's a confidence, isn't it, to go, OK, well, what would you like to change? How would you like it? So if someone's in your chair for the first time, what is the first sort of proper question you would ask them? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly they're tired, exhausted and stressed. Um, anything that you're allergic to, any products that you really hate, any makeup artist-isms that you can't stand. Let's get all the <laughs> negative stuff out of the way. Talk to me about how you like your makeup done. And then just literally, as I would say to you, so what do you like? And Mm. you can see, and as you're talking to someone and they're talking back to you, your eyes are dancing around all their features, thinking if I could lift the eye there, that you'd look really good if I just smudged a bit in the corner there or a bit of pigmentation there or let's add a bit of light here, whatever Mm. it might be. If I really boost your skin, I don't need to use too much makeup. You're learning as they're talking to you. And also you then get to learn about someone's personality. And obviously over the years, you get to learn what types of personalities like different makeups Mm. so you do have you know four or five different heads that you can paint quite quickly um, and you learn what people like and what works especially on camera Um, that's another big thing things look very differently and read very differently in daylight do they do on a big film Mm. set with hmi light so then you have to say listen today this makeup might look a little bit more heavy but that's because you need it to look heavy, otherwise you'll just look very shiny or your skin won't look great. Mm. Actually, no, we're outdoors, so we're going to keep it really, really light and translucent. But, you know, the flash will help or... So you end up helping people in the different mediums they're being shot in. It's absolutely bizarre <clears throat> how heavy makeup can just be completely minimised by studio lighting. It doesn't oh, look well, heavy yeah. or draggish. When you look at the films in the early mm. sort of 1920s, it's, it's all just completely bleached out. You couldn't see any features. Everyone's got pores, lines, dark circles. No one has a face that looks like an egg. <laughs> I mean, it's not reality, is it? Well, I'm going to fast forward us. We are going to revisit uh, some bits of your uh, career, but let's fast forward to now because you have Speed Beauty. And the reason I want to talk about this is because you just talked about what people like. And one of the most requested videos i've spoken to so many makeup artists when i worked on the magazine it was in my mailbag or my inbox every single week smoky eye Mm. and you just did a brilliant video on speed beauty about the smoky eye and it made me at the weekend wear two days worth of smoky eyes exactly as you said did you yeah one color two brushes because i noticed your comment but did you actually genuinely think that was genius i thought it was genius (laughs) genius (laughs) because um 
Smoky Eye, there are so many eyeshadow quartets or trios that are sold as Smoky Eye, and then you do this and you do that and you do the other. And I've always thought, well, actually, you don't need a highlighter and a socket line if you, mm-hmm. if, you, if you just use that technique. So I was really pleased. I think that's the first time I've seen... I haven't seen all YouTube videos, so I'm sure there are others out there, but that was the first time I'd seen it explained in under a minute and actually executed. You could see exactly what you were doing. And I patted in my... Um, I went to a Pixie launch the other day and there was a new palette and I patted it in and it looked really good. And I was like, God, that's so quick. It really is so easy to do a smoky eye. So tell me about the um, ethos and the whole reason for Speed Beauty. Well, <clears throat> I suppose when everyone started blogging... Well, it's a whole lot of stern now, so it says five. So about six years ago, and I saw everyone doing, you know, their YouTube channels and writing about their products or their, you know, day in the life of a makeup artist. And I was like, oh, that's wonderful. And I read them avidly, looked at them, watched them, and really enjoyed them. But I couldn't do anything then because I was just out to have my third son. And so that wasn't my time. But I've always had that kind of education background because I love women. I love making women look good, and that's always been part of you know my make my journey as a makeup artist. But so then, obviously, a year ago I started this, and I just happened to have a product. It was an Estee Lauder product. It's a double-ended concealer, and I just thought, oh, this is brilliant. I'm just going to do a little video on it. And at that moment, it was only 15 seconds on Instagram because it was really important. If I was going to do something, and I was kind of like, you know, my fingers were twitching. I'd mm. like to do something, but I can't do what everyone else is doing because that's just boring I have to tell you a little point of difference obviously what I'm saying is the same I'm educating women about makeup but because my life is a bit crazy and a bit fast and I am a bit manic and I'm quite impatient and I do things quite quickly this whole speed beauty sort of evolved over time because it was just quite nice to have a quick anecdote because I was finding that was fast forwarding films to get to the point mm. like, what, what, what is she trying to say or what's he trying to say and I wanted it just to be quite concise and <clears throat> I was also speaking to a lot of new beauty journalists who would call up for a quick quote, which is a very common thing that I've done over the years. I've had been very fortunate enough to work with three major um, cosmetic brands. So it's something that I was very um, used to doing. And rather than actually adding a quote to the journalist piece, it was almost like you were talking to them about the whole concept of what they were trying to write which was really frustrating so I thought well if I've got a voice then I may as well just share it so I just sat in my office and filmed it on my iPhone and thought let's see what happens people quite liked it so it just kind of grew from then and obviously Speed Beauty I didn't have that idea first Mm. Um, and literally it's taken me you know over a year and a half to get like a little banner that I'm sort of happy with and trying to make it work but it's obviously work in progress because I also work as a makeup artist but the response that I've had from people has been really wonderful and like you say it's the simplest things and that's really upset me initially because I'm like I've been banging on about this with all my contemporaries for years why do you not know this well why do you not know but obviously in someone else's life who's not involved in our beauty bubble it's only just you know two percent of their day that they'll think about makeup beauty mm. or, or how they look hopefully so just a little bit of a, a bite might encourage them to go and pick up a product that really works or a new way of doing something mm. and just to make it really simple and to put a sensibility by it that's intelligent and straightforward i suppose the thing i loved about the smoky eye video is um there are so many youtube <clears throat> tutorials they're 15 minute 20 minute 25 minutes and it's prime prep all of and it's just so laborious and there's a lot to be said for that don't get me wrong but like you say the woman who's 
knows that she's got to leave the house in 90 yeah. seconds or she'll miss her bus train or whatever it might yeah. be um doesn't have to compromise yeah. well that's me in my life i'm just shove it on and give it a go all my beautiful favorite products are mostly in my kit or i'm trying to be kinder to myself and going i'm actually i'm going to have that tom ford blusher for me <laughs> my client can just have another one i've got you know millions of them so i'm just trying to do that but it is just in part and as i'm growing i suppose and meeting lots of my friends and they're all struggling and they still want to look great i'm 44 i still feel obviously like everyone else does you know like i'm 20 so i still want to look as good as i possibly can and there are so many ways that you can do that in a, in a in a bad way but also there's so many things that you can do that make such a difference and it's a real confidence booster and mm. we all need to feel good about ourselves well you know life is hard enough so if I can just say a few little things to make yourself feel better about yourself it's that easy then it's mm. worth it it's that thing isn't it of how you present yourself and your self-esteem and as a makeup artist how do you feel like you've got to turn up on a shoot looking a certain way uh did you ever feel that pressure um no, actually, I really didn't, because I'm not the star, so I'm crew. I've always been yeah, part of the crew. It's not, not really about me. I don't have an ego. I come in to make that person, or I look great, or I'm joining a team of people to create something. And, you know, you do get covered in powder and grease and paint at <laughs> the time, so actually, not really, no. One thing I'm always fascinated to ask um, crew, as you just said, is about personalities, because photographers makeup artists and hairstylists in my experience are like Sherlock Holmes when it comes to reading people's personalities engaging mm. people's moods is that just a an acquired skill from on the being in that it's kind an of intuition isn't it I suppose and maybe I had it before maybe I've learned it I'm not sure but I'm really nosy <laughs> and I love people I'd much rather talk to, you know talk about you than me I'm bored of myself I know exactly what's going on so I quite like to ask people about their lives and I'm quite fascinated by all our different layers you know we're all so different and how that makes us who we are and yes I am quite good at reading people and I've probably have learned that I suppose after the years because it's it's at my benefit to make that person feel a certain way. Mm. So they're about to go in front of the camera, you know, whether it's for a personal project like an actress or whether it's a model. So we need to work together to make sure that they feel their best so then my work shines. Mm. So you could say it's a real selfish <laughs> thing, like I will make you feel good about yourself because then everything works together. But I, I just have quite a caring nature, I suppose. So mm, it's, it's, you do. it's quite nice to... It's not manipulation. It's just a very important part of the job. If you don't connect with people, if you're not a people person, mm. it must be very hard to do this job. I, you know, and actually when I was 25 and I was working, I did so much music um, in my younger years, which was wonderful. I mean, you know, tens of millions of videos. Well, okay. And I was just Video thinking, highlight. this was a band called Thunderbugs, which you, maybe you even remember. Do you no. remember Thunderbugs? No. Anyway, they were a big label on Sony. There were five girls... <clears throat> And I remember, I think I'd just broken up with my husband, who was my boyfriend at that time. And I'd learned, we were talking about Reiki, I'd learned, or hadn't learned at that point, to go to work and I gave everything. I gave everything. And obviously you're working very close to people's heads and I wanted to take care of them all, make them look great, make sure they were happy. And then obviously I would go home and at that point, you know, I was obviously breaking up with my boyfriend. And, you know, you do end up thinking, oh my God, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose a plot. I don't feel myself at all I'd have no center of gravity whatsoever so I took some time off and I realized that I had to be able to give of myself um, and do my job 
but not deplete myself, which mm-hmm. I learned to do. And I really wanted to do the Reiki course. I never got around to do it. I spoke to lots of friends that did it, and I will do it. I have a big list of things I want to do when I retire. Um, uh, but I have learned to, to do that and not to do a bad job or change it, but just to keep myself sane. Could you put how you do that into a nutshell, is it? How I do that? Mm. Oh, my gosh, I've never verbalised that before. Um... Because I've spoken to therapists who um, will do healing massage and that they will put a bubble around themselves and so oh. they can, and, and they'll visualise it. And I've always been really fascinated by that because I think um, depleting yourself um, in order to take care of others is actually something. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market that women are really good at yeah so if there yeah. was a way that you could sort of explain it that would I think be really nice <laughs> wouldn't it mm. I, I can't explain it I just did it to save myself I suppose because mm. I actually really did feel I was going to lose the plot and I just thought I've got to I've got to be able to do my job but and also we all go through experiences in our career where you're working with someone and all of a sudden you're not their number one anymore and that really hurts it hurts the first time and everyone who's had a career, you know, for over 20 years will have experienced that. And I think it's a bit like your first breakup, isn't it? Mm. So when you then had your heart broken for the first time with your first love, and then you go into another relationship, you're a bit more resilient. So maybe I had, yeah. maybe I, I have ended up putting a guard on. But I still feel it. I'm still very impassioned about the people that I work for, but I just haven't given everything. Mm. So the bubble would be a nice visualization but i haven't got one to share i need i just i just have it yeah i don't know why. No, there's a bubble and there's also imagining a flower apparently growing up right. on top of you that's you no, the flower doesn't work for me no. bubble's quite nice yeah but i've just i've just put a little i've put my put my heart in a little box mm. and you know but it still is able to to do my job you've got to be empathetic with people haven't you yeah but i'm also one of those people that will have a massage and maybe unfortunately for the therapist they've just had a row or they're having a bad day or they're feeling grumpy and they put their hands on me and i almost can read their thoughts it's really annoying because i'm like no i can't lie here because i know you're grumpy and i just need some love and sometimes i've just gone yeah i'm really sorry but i just need to go to the loo and actually i'm gonna go home so i don't really have any massages anymore because you know the time that you take out for yourself to do that you just think, oh, it's going to be a very special person. Isn't that interesting? Can't stop that. So that's obviously something I need to investigate mm. when I have time. <laughs> Definitely investigate the Reiki, perhaps you'll... Yes. Well, you can teach me about that maybe afterwards. Well, I'm just on the receiving end of it. But right. I, I did a podcast with this incredible woman called Alexia Hargrave last year. And it was one of those days where I had no idea what to expect when I turned up at the recording. 
Um, I just knew that she organised these luxury retreats where right. you could switch off and not have any mobile devices. Just essentially decompress. And it was just one of those... She was just the perfect person. I couldn't have engineered my life that that day I needed to have a conversation with her. Mm. And she talked about taking time off and just being and just sort of asking herself all the important questions. And then she also talked about Reiki. And then she said, look, you're drawn to the thing that you need. So just ask yourself. And you're drawn to the thing that you need. And I'd always thought Reiki was a bit... Um, sinister is probably the, the wrong word, but in that neighbourhood... Because when I was at university, there was a man Seems who had a to. there was a man who had a caravan who would ask girls <laughs> if go. he could come and do Reiki, <laughs> and so I just thought it was <clears throat> right. that was well, just a shame, burned into my brain. Anyway, towards the end of last year, I had Reiki and it was transformative. If you'd taken a picture of me before I went in and a picture of me when I came out, you would have thought they were weeks apart. It was just incredible. And who did your treatment? Um, actually, a, a woman who I've known lived in the same village as my whole life but hadn't had a conversation with or seen her for such a long time wow. and she um and how did you find her then she does sports massage right but in so doing had picked up on certain things and mm-hmm. investigated that further and um realized that she was picking up on people's energies and people's chakras and so his um you know done lots of training in that area but she was doing sports massage on my dad for his golf injuries <laughs> brilliant but then he had some Reiki and he was getting dizzy and the dizzy the dizziness stopped. So then when I said I was feeling out of sorts, my dad was like, right, go and see Sue. And then there you go. And just one session? I went to see her once and it was, but now I go and top up. Okay. I was seeing her weekly for about a month. And you feel the heat when she puts her hands on you? Um, I see lights. Oh, really? And your eyes are closed? Yep, so yeah. I can see different coloured lights. Um, there's colours? always um, purple it's right. always purple and slightly sort of a yellowy green and I know when she starts properly like I'll close my eyes and I know when she starts because there's almost like a flash of white like silver white light wow that's amazing and the first time I ever had it done um, I had no idea where she was around me because my eyes were closed and in Reiki sometimes they put their hands on you but for the majority of the treatment I've had they don't and my feet were really, really cold, really, really cold. And then I just felt, I could feel her fingertip on the bottom of my foot and my foot became red hot. It wow. was insane. It was just like all this. Wow, so, yeah. where's she based in? Down in Kent. All right, okay. So I travel back and go and see. Oh, I think if someone, if you're that connection with someone, you have to do that, don't mm. you? That's wonderful to find that person because that's actually quite hard. Yeah, but it has, it was just one of those things and... Like you say, we were talking before we started recording about things slotting into place. And mm. isn't it funny how that conversation with Alexia and me thinking, oh, Reiki's nonsense. And then a few Your months later, a few months <clears throat> later, just being completely drawn to it. And yoga as well. But I'm having such mm. a terrible time getting into yoga. I've booked my first retreat, weekend retreat with my girlfriend. Um, because, yeah, I was going to do so many things. And I'm literally this person. I've got so many things that I want to do. And actioning them at the moment is not happening. And so... A friend of mine, very sadly, um, but he's amazing, um, has Parkinson's. And on New Year's Eve, he said to me, you know what? I've done so many great things. I probably wouldn't have done these things if I didn't have Parkinson's. And I was like, oh, my God. Right, if you can do it, then I need to start doing it. And my friend put the Guardian um, supplement through 25 best yoga holidays in the UK. And that was it. Second day booked. So 
that were going in March. My first one. I was going to do a week, but I thought, no, just slow, slow. Do you just do, do yoga? a couple of nights? When I can do. Yeah, I do a bit of Bikram here and there. I'm not very good at exercise and sort of routine because I have no routine to my life. And now Stan's gone to school, I'm finding myself doing all these little videos and investigating this whole new little world, which is brilliant and really exciting. But it is taking over that free time that I'd had hope to, you know, maybe cook more and do more yoga and kind of chill out. And it's gone the other way. <laughs> I'm getting even faster and faster and faster. But that time will come. That's... But I would love to, I'd, you know, but I have three kids, so it's kind of... Three kids and what are their ages? 12, 10 and 5. Yikes. Yikes. But I, I obviously love it, but mm. there is very little time for me, and I'm not going to moan about that at all because they are me, and you know my job is very rewarding and I love it. Um, but you, we do need to slow down a little bit so that I do stay sane because mm. I can't talk any faster. I don't think. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's something you said there which is so true about not having any structure, mm. and that's I think true when you're freelance, um, and particularly when you're in this this industry. Um, I work Sundays quite a bit. Mm. I'll have a five a.m. call time on a Sunday yeah. if I've got a QVC. But do you like that? Because I do love that. I like it as long as I can find a pocket mm. in and amongst that where even if it's an afternoon, I can call it my weekend. Yeah, yeah, good. Because otherwise, I I will just continue to work and work and work yeah. and work and work, and then that's when the yeah, inevitable happens, and you just <laughs> yeah, for the valve, I call that. <laughs> the what? For the valve. For the valve. For valve is when you have a great cry or you punch the pillow or, you know, you react to something which is totally, you wouldn't have reacted if you were sane, and you just let it all out. Oh, that was great. And you've totally forgotten about it. And everyone else around you is going, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? Oh, no, I'm fine now. I just needed to laugh my for valve. It's like a little, if I made that up, my God. I've never heard that, but I love it. (laughs) I don't have a great master of the English language, but I really hope that is a word. (laughs) Fuffa valve. Yeah, I'm sure other people will know what a fuffa valve is. So you just let off your steam, the steam train, the little little cap that goes off on top of the steam train. And then you feel calm again. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. I've got lots of names for that, but perhaps I leave it too long and that's why they've got swear words in (laughs) some But you're right. But yeah, as long as I can steal a pocket or as long as I can just feel like I'm in the master yeah. of my own time. Because the thing about call sheets or about call times or anything is, you're yes, you love it, but you're not the master of it. You are yeah. <clears throat> you're caught up in the wave of it, so yeah. to speak. So I like to have something I can try. That's why I love going to the pictures by myself. Oh, total escapism. Total escapism. And that's balance, isn't it? And that's what we all try and achieve, I mm. think. That's the biggest thing, I think, when you're freelancers, to create that balance. Mm. But when there's so much opportunity and there's so many things to do and there's so many things, great things to, you know, see, do, read, it's hard to go, actually, I'm just going to be calm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like a toddler with ADHD or something. <laughs> and I think freelancing, it, it was a bit like when I went from a magazine job to freelancing, I think a lot of people are like, oh, think about all the time you're going to have because you won't be commuting and whatnot. But actually, it very quickly becomes quite busy and you don't have the time to... So I remember Ate, who's a previous podcast guest, who you know as well, um, she said two things to me when she found out I was going freelance. She said, write the damn book and enjoy the free and freelance. And I haven't written the book, but... Is I, there a book in you? I think there is. I do believe there is a book in everybody. There isn't one in me. <laughs> audio book maybe <laughs> there must be <clears throat> could you not no but there probably is a book about all of your years working on them. oh I couldn't be bothered I don't want I'm much more interested in other people 
No, no, it wouldn't interest me in the slightest to do that. And that's why what's really great to do my little one minute is that mm. it's just kind of quick and out there. I don't have to write anything. Even when I do my quotes now with the lovely girls at Ketchum for Matt's Factor, we now do it on um, voice, on WhatsApp. Oh, voice, voice, voice recorded, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because actually it becomes, it comes actually out more eloquently as well and just a little bit more interesting rather than sort of writing it down. Because I guess I'm in a verbal world. Mm. We all chat to each other. You know, we're always talking all the time. We don't sort of sit and send emails. They much prefer the spoken word. Yeah, I'd love to write a book. But every time I go to start it, it's... I've not found the authentic thing, and I think you can only write a book if what you're writing is authentic. So it probably isn't a story. What would it be? Well, for years I thought it would be, like, what it was like to work on a magazine, but I think that's been done very well by other people. And I've never... But not from your point of view, though. That's easy to say about lots of things. You need to do it from your perspective. That's, That's totally unique. And you wouldn't label it like that. That'd be really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think... <clears throat> I think I think when you want to write something, you'll write it. I think if it's an effort... Yeah, but I know so many writers, and they just are too scared to put pen to paper because they're scared of what people will think about how they write. Just do it. Mm. I mean, just do it and keep it in the cupboard, but at least just do it. Well, I, I think the podcast is my book, <laughs> in a way. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there'll be a podcast, um, but there'll be a book from the podcast, who knows. I was showing Caroline my, my Tim Ferriss Tools of Titans book on my bookshelf, which is the first book, I think, to actually be published off the back of, which is a horrible expression that my English teacher would tell me off for, but um, off the back of a podcast. That's the first one? I believe so. Okay. Maybe the best in the bestsellers. I mean, it's number one New York Times bestseller or something. Um, so let's rewind now. We fast-forwarded, let's now rewind. Because let, can we talk about some of the amazing things that you have done and the people that you've worked with? We can. <laughs> <laughs> what, from the beginning? Well, because you just said something very casually as we were, as I was preparing coffees before we hit record, which was um, Sound of the Underground. Oh, well, and I was explaining to you that I was, I'm actually just, um, I was explaining to you how I should actually, no, I say this morning, this morning I actually had to look at my old showreel just to remind myself of the things and key points that I have done because after 23 years you just think, or I think it's almost, you know, distant memory. Anyway, I looked at my showreel and I was like, oh yeah, lovely, that's a really nice video, that's a really nice video of Kylie, of the girls, of, you know, the girls Kylie? I, I didn't know you worked with Kylie. I worked with Kylie for eight years. Did you? Yeah. So anyway, it all started, I did a lot of music, and I think that um, came off the back of working for FHM, which then, you know, 20 odd years ago, was the magazine mm. that everyone wanted to buy and did buy. And they had all the girls of the moment, you know, in some sort of bikini-clad, you know, fabulous way on the cover, and then it'd be like, you know, eight pages inside, and, you know, it was the magazine that everyone wanted to be in. And I did this brilliant trip um, with Laura Carlyle, who was the picture editor then. And we went to Barbados, and we shot with this photographer I've never seen since called Barry Hollywood. <laughs> so fabulous. And we had a lovely girl flown in every single day. We were there for eight days. So Jordan flew in, then Donna Rare flew in, then Louise Nerding, now Redknapp, flew in. 
um, uh, Lisa Snowden <gasps> flew in. So every day we'd do a shoot and we'd come back. We're having a rum and coke by the by the bar. The flight would come in about you know three in the afternoon. The girls would come in, and everyone was on sort of relay like that. Oh wow! And actually. Aside from Jordan, I still know Lisa really well, Donna really well, Louise really well, and they're still working, great girls, have great contact with them. But that was a real kind of um, foundation to how it all started, really. And then I started working a lot with record labels on a band called Precious. Precious was the trio. Five. Oh. And they had um, Jenny Frost, who then went into Atomic Kitten. Oh, yes, they did Eurovision, didn't they? That's right, yeah. And then, um, so Jenny Frost went into Atomic Kitten when Kerry Katona left. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Anya Lahiri, who... Is now at Barry's Boot Camp. Who is married to Barry's Boot Camp, isn't yes. she? They married together, they weren't they babies baby, together. Yeah. yeah. And I love, love them dearly. We were all, I mean, I was a little bit older than them, probably about eight years older. But that was a real, sort of in your early 20s, you're working together, you know, countless music videos together. You know, it was a real kind of forging time of us together all sort of finding our way. Mm. And it was brilliant, really great. And I guess because... And then obviously there was the Honeys, trying to think of all the groups, and Eternal. Oh, wow. Kelly Bryan. Um, And at that time, I had terrible, terrible skin, and Kelly Bryan had a a skin disease called lupus. um, And she sent me to her skin doctor. I thought she was a sort of skin therapist. Um, to get her products so that I could use the products on her skin when I did her makeup. And her name is Jenny Harding, and she's awesome. She's now probably sort of mid-70s. I think she's going to retire, actually, at the end of the year, which is quite sad. And I've sent basically all the people that I know and work and love for. She has a great cream called Pink Heaven, and it obviously doesn't cure eczema, um, but it heals and treats eczema in the most beautiful way, and it's just full of Oregon grape. She mixes it in a little fridge, literally a little fridge, in the corner depending on how bad your eczema is I luckily don't have eczema so I've never been had to use this product but all my girls who maybe get nervous before they're on a tv show or they're going through a tricky time tend to get a lot of eczema around their eyes Mm. or nose or mouth and to some extreme some of my girlfriends their her daughter couldn't play sport because her eczema was so bad and you put the pink heaven on you wrap yourself in cling film hot towels do that for a couple of days and it goes you have to keep treating it but at least Mm. you're not using steroids Anyway, my skin was really, really bad at that time, like proper pizza face. I had terrible skin. And that's, you know, Kylie, I have to thank her for, you know, for the eight years that I worked for. I mean, I looked like such a state. And no matter how nice you are as a person, if your makeup artist rocking up with, you know, really bad skin, you always think, oh, gosh, you're going to touch my face. Am I going to catch mm. your bad skin? Which is totally ridiculous. Mm. But unfortunately, that's how we all think. She was very tolerant of that. <laughs> anyway, Jenny was brilliant. She had loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of peels on my skin. Her skin was so bad, she used to fill it with uh, concealer. Her pores were so open. Now she's got amazing skin. Um, and no scarring at all. I mean, I could have continued and continued and continued. You can go and have a facial with her, and it really, really hurts. It's like two hours of pain and uncomfort. And it Does takes me back to a time. Her thumbs in your mouth and massages your cheeks that way. Oh, I've, no, that, well, I've never had that. That's what Nicola does, isn't mm. it? And I keep wanting to go and see lovely Nicola Joss and obviously never get around to that either. Um, but no, she just uses a lot of um, um, natural acids and um, salicylic and glycolic and AHAs just to really, really 
peel the skin. And then, it, you know, it's brilliant for me. But it takes... I wouldn't want to go back now, necessarily. I would love to go and see her. I need to go back and see her. Because um, we're always in contact. But um, it kind of reminds me of that time. Mm. Which I know you had troubles with your skin too, didn't you? And it does form. And I think that's obviously actually now helped me in, in what I do. Because I'm quite empathetic to people and how they feel self-conscious about themselves. Because... Mm. I was that person that just wanted to put a blanket over my head and just disappear, but I couldn't. You have to face the world, don't you? I'm great at covering up spots. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I had a few years to learn. (gasps) I think it's... um, I had really bad skin a couple of years ago because of change of tablets. And um, I actually came off the pill. I've been taking the pill for years for my skin. Um, Dying it. I was dying it, then I moved mm. on to Yasmin. But I came off because I was worried about the implications of taking it for such a long time. But I got rashes. I got, like, you know, my face just flared up again. I was getting really hard spots like I did mm. as a teenager. And so it's amazing how you regress. Mm. And you just, you know, you put your hair over your face and you don't talk, you don't look at people in the eye because mm. you don't or want them to Or my trick was to keep looking at them in the eye so like I'm doing to you now so your eye you will not look at my chin and you will not look at my forehead just keep looking at me and then I go oh do you know what I had these raspberries yesterday who knew I was allergic to raspberries and they go mm. all right and I go yeah raspberries and for me that was fine I look like this because I'm allergic to raspberries and I'd skip off quite happy <laughs> fooling myself and not fooling anyone else um so what's your foolproof guide to covering up spots then um, opaque concealer that's not too greasy um, so Cover FX or Laura Mercier um, but the best product that I've ever used um, to go on top of that so you use your opaque concealer first and the, with a tiny brush making sure that you've got no excess oil on the skin and just in that area only just in that area because the area of your skin that looks beautiful you need to let that shine through in order mm. to create the balance and then I've always used the MAC Studio Fix because it's the most dense powder foundation that I've mm. ever come across and I'd apply that with a very small brush or, or a cotton bud just over the area and push it in and then powder very lightly with a translucent powder with a puff over the top and that's the way that works for me well, it works and for you, many others and does it work and it works on camera as well so it, must it works be. on camera and also you use the c-tones in the um, powder because it's very yellow so it neutralizes the the red I mean, I obviously covered myself in green concealer and some of that but it didn't really work they're much more they're much better now because they're much more finer the, the colour correcting, I remember years ago when I had teenage acne, Body Shop brought out the green. It was a, I think they had green and violet and yellow. Mm. And they were almost, they were the same size as a foundation. And so I would wear the green as a foundation yeah. <laughs> and then put foundation over the top. And then you just wonder why you look mm. so odd. But it was that experimental stage, wasn't it? Which is a shame for a lot of the girls that... You know, my friends with their teenagers growing up, they're like, oh, come and do my girl's makeup. You know, she can't look like this. And no, absolutely she can. Mm. And absolutely you must let her. I will never look. She can't walk out the door like that. You really have to let go of the reins because she will have no memorabilia of her teenage years of growing up looking like crazy. We you all know, have to have Looking strange, looking look odd, on. making those mistakes. What, you just want to be perfect? You know, since you're 14? No, you have to make those mistakes and you have to be allowed to do that. Because yeah. what's, what's that all about? Do you think that people, the girls now who are wearing squared off eyebrows, and we talked about eyebrows before we came on air, um, do you think they all look back and think, oh, of course they will. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, obviously there's, you know, there's a 
there's a level, isn't there? There's the extreme drawn on brown that's very heavy and dense. And it's just a shame because it obscures their beauty. And there's been many a job if I've been, you know, waiting for someone to change and there's be like a young girl over there. I'd be like, oh, come on, let me just show you something. Let me just take one off and do it my way. And you can see the difference. And they've just been delighted. And they, you just don't see yourself, don't you? People have this facial blindness when they look in the mirror. Mm. People look in the mirror and they don't see what I'm seeing now. They don't see your face and you being animated. We have this one face that we look in the mirror and we think, oh, God, and you see all the things that you hate about your face rather than the good things. And mm. you don't really see yourself animated. And when you're Such animated, that's point. when you look your most beautiful, I Such think. a good point. You don't think about that. So people look in, the, you know, same as the hairdressers. If someone goes to have their hair, hair done, they don't, unless you're very confident and you have, you know, bundles of self-esteem, you don't often see people just looking at themselves in the mirror and talking to themselves sort of at you. They sort of, you know, look at the magazine or they look to the left or to the right. It's very hard to mm. be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be confident and and be happy with what you're seeing in the reflection as well. Mm. Do you see that transformation when you're doing people's makeup? Some of the most beautiful women. What I did learn, uh, which was quite surprising actually, is some of the most beautiful women that I've worked with and before meeting them would assume that their life would be so easy and so perfect and how fortunate they are and why couldn't I and wouldn't it be great if I could look like them was totally the opposite and it was a real shock that actually just because you look like that doesn't mean you're any happier Mm. or that you love yourself more or you're even as confident in fact it can be the opposite way and I had one sort of you know argument or confrontation I suppose with someone that I've worked with for a long time and I was like, your beauty is wasted. Well, you just may as well be ugly. You may as well be ugly because you're not appreciating what you see in the mirror and this won't last forever. So please look at mm. yourself and see what I see because otherwise there's just no point. And I just thought, wow, what a waste. What a waste. So it actually doesn't matter what you look like or what people perceive of you as being beautiful because if you don't feel like it inside, it doesn't make a scrap of difference because it's how you feel. People say, oh, you look great, you look like this, you know, it's... A, I suppose it's like being an actor, isn't it? Feeling like you're a rubbish actor and everyone says you're amazing. It doesn't matter how many times people say you're brilliant because you don't think you are. Mm. So it has no validation at all. No, it's interesting, isn't it? It's if you, if really you feel surprising. like a fraud. And a couple of times I've spoken to people, you know, often it'll be people who've set up their own business or are flying. And when we spoke uh, last week about this conversation I said I'm really fascinated about unpicking people's journeys because there's no blueprint to success and it's amazing how many people will mention imposter syndrome oh that's what it's called so even though they're here even though they're they have a a huge presence or they're doing really well on the outside they're still worried that someone's going to tap them on the shoulder and say uh excuse me and that's it's horrible isn't it but I think a lot of but I think it's something that doesn't happen in industries where one qualifies as as, you, as one develops, but it does seem to be more prevalent in this industry where um, you can be in a, in a job for 10 years mm. and then somebody 10, 12 years younger than you can come in and if and they could have a flair or something and they could have your job. Not in not across everything. <laughs> well, that's quite simplistic. <laughs> no, but that. But it's true. I mean, I've worked on so many shoots where somebody's got on really well with the crew, and you can see someone who's established and been around for a while. But they, the whoever's organising the, the next call sheet, it's just like, oh, she's got good energy. Let's get her involved. Right. In and terms of makeup artistry, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes. We are. We're just 
we're very replaceable mm. and you have to remember that and you have to enjoy every job that you've got and you have to accept that that is part of the business or hair or even yeah. writers I just think in a creative industry where yeah. no, there's no sort of qualification or um, what am I trying to say like structure of this person's been around this long therefore whereas if you were in a bank job you would get a promotion and that sure. would mean that you were seen in a particular line do you think that happens a lot though? I'd, I'd, not, like to, I'd like to think maybe I'm you know Maybe I'm putting my blinkers on now, but I'd like to think that doesn't happen too much. Yes, I would like to think so too. But I haven't been on all the shoots, but I've I've been on I've been in some mm. environments where I've seen mm, that person's getting squeezed out. But then I think you're growing. I can see you know the type of work that I'm doing and, and where I'm being placed in certain jobs and the clients that are wanting me. It, it's, it, it evolves, doesn't it? Mm. And you want to. I don't want to be doing the same jobs I was doing 20 years ago. I'd be bored to death. You know, so I want to keep growing. So in respect of what you're saying, yes, I know that it happens. And yes, I'm so replaceable. I might have, you know, I have had people falling all over me going, you're the best thing ever. I can't live without you. You know, you will be by my side forever. And you skip home thinking, oh, brilliant, this is it. And then suddenly they're saying the same thing to someone else. And you're like, how can you be like that? <laughs> but that's the way it is. And you yeah. learn the hard way. Um, it's because it's a more emotional landscape. Correct, yeah. And that's what I really, now having children of my own, I really wish that that emotional intelligence was taught within schools. Because mm-hmm. without understanding yourself, and that's how I try and talk to my boys, without understanding yourself and your self-esteem and what you're good at and how to be yourself and to learn to love yourself, how on earth can you survive? Because it's fundamentally, it was fundamentally important with everything that we do, whether you go for work in a bank and our industry is very emotive like that and it's all you know you have to be very personable the only actually when I worked for L'Oreal I had a contract with L'Oreal it was my first contract they were very very it was shocked when I went into my first boardroom meeting how the girls that I was chatting to you know quite easily and relaxed you know what they were doing at the weekends or what shoes they were wearing or whatever just general sort of passing time chit chat and went into this boardroom scenario and they you know it was dog eat dog and I was like good lord and just was you know that's the only time that's actually happened um but it's quite it's i've only known working in an environment where you just get Mm. to know someone and then you work with them rather than just doing a job and then your personal life like my sister she works um within restaurants and you know you don't talk about your personal life you're there to deliver what you're doing and then you have your life outside of that like most businesses yeah it's the blurred lines isn't it Mm. that's the thing that's why it can become that's why i'm sure that shoot in barbados and you say you're friends with a lot of the girls now. I can completely understand that because the bonds that are formed in those sort yeah. of... It's an emotional crucible. Mm. And it can be wonderful. It can be amazing. You meet people and... And they're such formative years. Mm. You know, you've no idea what's in front of you. You're all trying to do your best. And, and they're really lovely people as well. And, mm. you know, you can tell because they're still out there and they're working now and we're you know, of a similar age. So that's really nice. Every time I've seen Lisa a couple of times at QVC and she's always just... Oh, she's ace. The top best. bird. Top bird. Um, and I remember listening to an interview with Louise Nerding when she was Louise Nerding um, about when she was in Eternal. They did this interview, and I always remember that she told that she told the interview that she drove. I, I think it was a Nissan Cappuccino. And every time I think I see Louise Redknapp, especially when she's done Strictly recently, I just think of a cappuccino. <laughs> it's the weirdest things that you remember. But she's also I've seen her on shoots and just such an easy yeah. sweet wholesome balanced yeah yeah lovely girl it's an interesting yeah shoots are interesting places so what else do are we to expect from speed beauty and from you caroline 
Well, just genuine advice, really. I can't really say what my next film is going to be. I try and do, like, three in a morning where I'm off work, and I can't tell you what I'm going to do because I'm not sure what's inspiring me at that moment or what one of the mums said to me at the school gates or what one of the models said to me about a product that she's used. It's very much what you're kind of feeling and hearing of that moment that I just put out there, really. Mm. So I can't tell you. I don't know. So <laughs> Hopefully I'll carry on doing it. I mean, I might finish tomorrow. It's that, it's that easy. <laughs> so if you have any questions for Caroline or if you'd like her to do any videos, then perhaps people can email in to thebeautypodcast.gmail.com. Great, I'd love that. Or tweet us. I'm at Emma Guns and you are... Um, Caroline B Makeup on Twitter. Caroline B Makeup on Twitter. And also, I will put all of the links to Caroline and uh, a click through for where you can send questions. Um, and if you want her to do any particular videos. Um, so there you have it. Caroline Barnes, thank you so much for coming over to Shea Emma G. Thank you for indulging me. I've never spoken about myself so much. <laughs> I want you to talk for another three hours, but maybe we'll do that over lunch. Yeah, nice. Um, if you want to find Caroline, if you want to look up her Instagram, anything, all of those links will be in the show notes. But for now, thank you so much for listening to the Emma G podcast. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the show. And look, if you are having a good time listening to these podcasts, it would be so cool if you could pop over to iTunes, leave me a five-star rating and write a little review about what you love so much. And there's also a cute little button on there that says subscribe. That means that you'll never miss an episode again. What more could you want? Thank you so much and see you on the next one. Special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.